Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda. This is Sherry, your host, and I am excited that you are here um, for episode four. This is a continuation of episode three, which is the topic of the subtle or energetic body, the anatomy of the chakra system. And so episode four, we will start to dive into uh, a little bit more extensive uh, discussion on the subtle body, the energetic part of us um, that is so important during a spiritual awakening and a shift in our consciousness. Just like the physical body uh, helps us get around and manifest uh, into the world, the the earthly world, our subtle body is kind of the captain of the ship of the subconscious mind, the soul or spiritual part of us. And so it's not able to be seen, but absolutely is there and is really the, in my opinion, most important part of our makeup as human beings or as living things is it's really um, the emotional intelligence part of us. It's the self-awareness. It's the enlightened part of us, the part of us where true intuition and wisdom lives, uh, the wisdom that we're born with, divine wisdom, not the kind you learn in college, even though that's important too. This is more our internal workings. And really what it's, I call it a spiritual compass. Um, and it's the part that communicates with us to bring us to our highest selves, our most evolved, awakened self. So I think that's a really important uh, statement to make before we start diving in. The ancient manuals of yoga anatomy, for instance, describe the network of thousands, several thousands of subtle channels called nadis, N-A-D-I-S. And the nadis uh, are the, the um, places or superhighways, I would describe them as, throughout our bodies, that um, the current of prana flows through these nadis. So prana is our life force energy. It's what brings us to life. It's what illuminates us. If we didn't have nadis, if we didn't have an energetic highway through our bodies, we would be mannequins. We would not, we would not be um, alive. And so the current of, of the, the currents of the currents of prana flow through these nadis and they energize and, and sustain all parts of our body. Uh, this, uh, according to some manuals, the number of nadis is like 72,000, uh, other, other ancient texts mentioned 350,000, 14 are more important than the others though. But the most important among them uh, is the Ida, Ida, Nadi, 
the Pingala Nadi and the Shashimna Nadi. Now, the there are other Nadis that are important as well. We're going to just focus on these three Nadis or nerve plexes, nervous uh, superhighways that illuminate us and bring us um, to to life. When the flow of prana enters the life force energy through the breath, enters through the, the nostrils, the, it flows in through both nostrils. The Ida Nadi is associated with the left side of the body and the left nostril. The Ida Nadi is our feminine energy, our lunar, cooling, nurturing, calming feminine energy. The right nostril and the right side of the body is associated with the Pingala Nadi. That is solar energy, male energy, energizing, um, warming, masculine energy. And then we have the Shashimna Nadi, that is the, the Nadi that runs along the spine. So it runs all the way up and ends at the, at the nostrils where the two nostrils come together and allows these two energies to travel up that middle energy highway, the Shishimna Nadi. And as they, the breath is taken in, the two sides of us, the feminine Ida side and the masculine Pingala side, these energies intertwine and cross over almost like a DNA strand where they travel up the Shashimna Nadi and then the breath is expelled or exhaled. So as we're inhaling through the nostrils, this is why in yoga class, the breath work is so important because you're actually stimulating this life force energy and these nadis and thereby the chakras as that's why breath work is so powerful, so healing. Um, It's just uh, controlling our life force energy. The junctions where the Ida and the Pingala and the Shishimna meet along the spinal column, those areas where they intersect are the chakras. The chakras are the wheels, the spinning energy that we talked about in episode three. The wheels um, radiate outward from a central hub. So do uh, the nadis radiate outward from the chakras to other parts of the body. 
And then we talked about the seven chakras um, that run along the spine. The root chakra, the sacral chakra, so the root chakra is at the, the tailbone, at the very base of the spine. The sacral chakra is in your pelvic region and lower back, um, just below the, the navel. Uh, the solar plexus chakra, as we move up, is right above the, the navel and just below the rib cage. And then the heart chakra is um, in the chest, the lungs, the upper middle back, the, the shoulders, the arms. And then you have traveling upward, uh, the throat chakra, the neck, the throat, the thyroid, um, that region, the, the jaw, the, the mouth, the ears. And then up is the sixth chakra, which is the third eye chakra, uh, which is in, the, in between your eyebrows the seat of intuition. And then you have the very top of your head, the crown chakra on the crown of your head. So the nadis stimulate the turning of the chakras. Yoga anatomy and physiology are clear and accurate to those who systematically study and practice the science of yoga. And they find that it reveals more th about the internal functionings of the human body than any modern scientific experiment or explanation. It is true, however, that the ancient uh, description of the nadis and chakras bear a remarkable resemblance to modern anatomical descriptions of nerves and plexus, respectively. Um, some scientists have tried to establish a correspondence between the two systems, but the assumption behind such an attempt is that the nerves and plexes belong to the physical body while the nadis and chakras belong to what is known in yoga science um, as the subtle body. So in other words, they are the subtle counterparts of the nerves and plexus. The, the currents of the prana flowing, the breath, life force energy through these nadis are subtle counterparts of the nerve impulses. So the yogis didn't dissect the physical body in order to learn about its subtle cross currents. Dissecting the physical body to look for subtle energies um, would have been a waste of time. They did dis they, they discovered that the network of nadis and chakras, uh, they discovered that by mapping the flow of prana through this network, and they developed this mapping ability through introspective experimentation. It's very interesting. It's, it's amazing how, how much information they were able to gather in such a primitive setting. And it's still all these years later holds true because it's just part of our anatomy as living beings. 
Now we'll talk about the Shishimna Nadi, that central highway in the middle of the spine that runs up, and a Kundalini awakening. Okay, so now we're starting to get into the nuts and bolts of this spiritual awakening business. I just wanted to first lay the groundwork of the anatomy of the subtle body so that when we get into a full discussion on what exactly happens during spiritual awakening, it'll make more sense. The physical body is built around the subtle framework of the nadis and is sustained by the flow of pranic energy through this network of the nadis. In the average individual, the dynamic and creative aspects of prana is only an, a tiny fraction of the total energy of prana or life force energy, the breath. The major part of it is, um, remains in a potential or a seed state. So yoga manuals refer to this latent stored energy as, as kundalini. Uh, which is symbolically represented as a sleeping serpent coiled in the base of the root chakra at the very base of the spine. Kundalini actually means coil uh, in Sanskrit. Further, in the average individual, prana flows through the ida, the feminine energy side, and the pingala, the masculine energy side, but not through the shishamna. This nadi ordinarily is blocked at the base of the spinal column in people who are not spiritually awakened. So, and this isn't meant to be judgy or anything like that. It's just a fact. So I'll, I'll explain further. So there are techniques of pranayama. Pranayama is breath work. And they're aimed at causing the ida and pingala at the same time to travel up the shishimna, but awakening, awakening the shishimna, thus allowing the, the prana or life force energy to, th to, to flow through that middle shishimna nadi. The yogi then experiences great joy and is freed from the bondage of time, space, and causation. Uh, then having opened up the shishimna nadi, the yogi rouses the sleeping serpent at the base of the root chakra, the kundalini, and guides this tremendous energy upward along the shishimna, opening and unblocking the six chakras to the seventh chakra, all the way to the crown of the head, which is represented, the crown of the head, the crown chakra is represented as a thousand-petaled lotus at the crown of the head. This arousal of the sleepy, dormant-lying kundalini energy and its merging in the crown chakra 
is synonymous with the union of Shakti and Shiva. Shakti is cosmic potency and Shiva is cosmic consciousness. And with this union, the yogi achieves liberation from all miseries and bondage. Thus, uh, the yogi merges his individual soul or Atman in Sanskrit with the cosmic soul, Brahman. What it means when this happens is that we reach bliss. Now, life force energy and the nadis and the prana and all of that traveling and banging these chakras open so we can release all the traumas um, that we hold so tightly to that end up making us physically and emotionally ill. It's rare that a person can achieve it all the way to the crown of the head. Um, That's a place to kind of, to sustain that kind of awakeness, I would say is kind of unusual. It can be done. And the enlightened people that have lived, um, that are completely awakened and enlightened, uh, have achieved this. But I, I don't probably think um, that it happens all that often for most people. As we start to have those shifts in thinking, yeah, I wonder if there's more to life than this. I wonder if I should get into some holistic wellness program because I'm really not feeling myself. I really don't like to go and take medicine and mask my problem, whatever it is. Maybe I should try yoga. Maybe I should give this meditation thing a try. And you start to wonder, maybe I should change my diet. Maybe I should try to go vegan or vegetarian. It's at that moment when you start to have that shift in thinking and you go to your first yoga class and, you know, it's awkward, it's new, you don't know what to expect, but you you close your eyes and you get into what's happening and you feel a shift, even if it's tiny, you leave feeling different. And you don't know why. So, but it's enough to intrigue you to keep going back or back to that meditation class or back to that energy healer, that Reiki person. Um, Because it's just changing something inside of you that is good. This is the time when we start to maybe adapt our behavior and start to include some of these spiritual practices And as we keep at it and we stick to it, we start to see and feel this change inside of ourselves, this beginning of awakening. And then as you really, if you really, if it really resonates with you and you stay with it, that shift almost always happens. And as that shift happens, we start to become more self-aware. We start to look around our lives and 
take responsibility for the things that we don't really like the way they're going. And we try to change them in a more positive way. We start to reassess our hearts and maybe how we've been behaving or how we've been thinking or how we do business in life. And we start to become more honest with ourselves and say, you know, I'm going to try to be softer. I'm going to try to have more compassion. I'm going to offer more forgiveness for myself and other people. You know, I'm going to care more about my body. This I know when I'm eating that ice cream and those cheeseburgers and french fries and all these like really greasy things, I'm not really doing anything good for my body. I'm going to change my diet to something lighter, something that's more has more health benefits. And see how I feel. And so one practice starts to lead to the next practice. So you go to yoga and they start talking about chakras. So you start listening about that. Then they start talking about meditation or yoga nidra or service, a life of service. And so this starts to awaken the, the, the unconscious mind. And as that happens, the physical body and the subtle body start to communicate with one another. And the physical body says, hey, I haven't heard from you in forever. And the spiritual body says, yeah, I really want to start telling you and giving you some signals that what you're doing how you're thinking, your actions, what you're taking in food-wise, drink-wise, it's not really a good idea. So I'm going to start sending you and your human and their brain some signals that you're not really in a good place. So that indigestion that you've been experiencing, those chronic migraine headaches, the uh, GERD, the, the uh, you know, really bad heartburn, uh, that really, really awful lower back pain, those chronic sore throats, that terrible itchy skin condition, the inflamed skin condition, yeah, that's the chakras blocked because most people don't want to deal with the traumas that have happened to them. Now on episode five, the next episode, we'll start to talk about what happens when we are living our lives and traumas happen because life has trauma and there's just no way around that. And trauma is different for everybody. Some people can have a very small thing happen to them and it's very traumatic to them. Small in the, what we, what we all feel maybe is small, but not to them. So it's a matter of perspective. And as we process and experience these situations in life that hurt us, hurt our hearts, um, and some things are really traumatic, big, big traumas, you know, that just shake us to our core. 
And they, we, we internalize them because we don't really have time or space to process them. We have to get back to work, get back to raising our kids, you know, get back to school, get back to whatever. And people just, as this whole society in general, we're like, I know that was a terrible trauma, but you really got to get back to living. You really got to get over it. You know, you really, it's not good to sit here and and think about it and worry about it. You've got to get back to, and so we all like good people. We say, okay, you know, I guess I've cried over this long enough. Um, But it, we shove it in there because if we don't deal with it on an, on a organic down deep cellular level, it lives inside the chakras in our subtle body, in our subconscious mind. And there it stays. And it just keeps building, building, and other traumas and other experiences, negative experiences keep happening and piling and piling. And pretty soon, none of those chakra wheels are spinning because they're so sludged up with sad, hurtful, traumatic experiences. And then they're not, the flow is not happening. The prana flow, the life force flow is not happening. And you're pretty much become and a robot and just going through life programmed. I get up, I go to work, I come home, I eat dinner, I go to bed. I, it's, and, and that life force, that real awakened state of, man, that tree is green. Wow. That moon is full. Wow. That sun is bright and gorgeous. That's dulled, completely dulled. And you, you just live life going through the motions. And I think most people don't even realize that's happening to them until they awaken. And when that awakening process, as difficult as it can be sometimes, because you've got to face the traumas that you're holding and shoving down inside. And a lot of people don't want to revisit traumas. They just don't. But you really don't have to revisit them, but you do have to release them lovingly put them in a box, box them up, put them on a shelf to never be seen again, release them because they're not serving you anymore for the good. And then as the chakra, as you deal with each trauma and you release and the wheels and the kundalini energy starts to travel up the shishimna nadi and the wheels of the chakra start spinning, releasing all that sludge of trauma, then that life force energy can rotate And it can enrich and start to nurture the organs that it's associated with in that region of the body. And pretty soon, you're feeling like you're walking on sunshine every day. And you've done it all yourself. You've done, in quotations, the work. End quotation. I want to thank you for joining me uh, in this episode for... I hope that we've got a basic understanding of the subtle body, the chakras, the nadis, the life force energy that wants to run through all of us and give us a a life filled with joy and splendor and how a spiritual awakening is that gift from the divine for all of us. And so episode five next time, we're going to start talking about 
spiritual awakening, kundalini, and kundalini energy, and then how that manifests. What's that feel like when we release those traumas? And I'll give you some symptoms of when they're blocked and they start to release um, according to each chakra as it relates to those organs in that region of the body. So we'll talk about some of the symptoms that can come along with the block chakras and then as it releases, how, how they manifest and start to clear up. Uh, and then as we go, we'll start to discover how we can live a life of joy and bliss and happiness and peace, which is, I think, what everybody is probably searching for in the end. So thank you for joining me on this episode of Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda. And I look forward to the conversation next time on episode five, the symptoms and the healing of each chakra and that body part. Thank you again. Good health to you until we meet again. And God bless. Namaste.